Chapter 8 How It Scalded Fog flooded Starside, shrouding the Street of Sorrows. Marcus lights glowed atop their poles, beacons that illuminated the gauzy air, yet did not reveal more than a hazy circle around themselves. But fog was not all that hung heavily over the city. The few people Tim Hamlicton passed shot him nervous looks, and they traveled in pairs. They all wore blades on their hips, too, many of them old and rusted, attic castoffs from some granduncle's war days, now brought out for protection. The reason these city folk went about armed was simple. There had been murders in Starside. Horrific murders. The trapper walked uphill, following the switchbacks. He had not been to a city as large as Starside before. Over the past few ten days, he had seen more of cities and towns than he had ever desired. There was a reason he'd gone into the wilds of the Rakthuths, risking Nazkin and bears, to live a life of solitude. He had bought new clothing, as instructed. The wool was fine, warm, but his bare cheeks and chin chilled him. Who knew that shearing one's hair short would shed so much heat? He pulled up the hood of his cloak. Sounds were strange here in this fog, with all these structures around, not like the open air of the mountains. This place felt closed in. The weight of the divide pressed especially hard on his mind, even lost from view as it was. An atmosphere of dread permeated everything. The murders. A dozen of them. People in their homes, on the streets, men of the watch, cheapskaters. Some rumors told of a band of murderers escaped from the West Bunk. Others said, no, it was a lone madman, using mercosine power to rend off heads. No, it was her enlightened majesty, full of wrath for her sinful subjects. No, it was the thinnies from the sewers, rising up to claim vengeance on the city. The speculations went on and on. Horrific tales, but nothing he'd heard chilled him nearly as much as the old man had. The old man, the blind wizard of Serenhel. The trapper shivered against the cold welling up from deep inside his body. He did not like to think of the old man, not that he had much choice. He was there, in his head, a constant pressure at the base of his skull, like a headache. But worse, so much worse. Winter had come to Starside. The street was piled with snow at the edges. The center had been trampled under boot and atlan talon into a muddy slush. He was thankful he'd decided to keep his hunter's boots, knee-high and oiled against the damp. Perhaps they didn't match his newer frocks. He didn't care. Damp feet were death. Every man of the mountains knew it. His destination was ahead. Heart-thumping, he pushed on a broad door and stepped into quiet warmth. The Yin Inn was a landmark in mid-Terraside, set right at a turn of the Street of Sorrows. Two turrets, shake shingles painted white, a huge wooden sign affixed to the front touted the clean rooms, fresh beer, fine trez, and entertainments nightly. 
inside it was like most inns he'd visited on his restless rush to the city. Trestle tables and benches in the common room, the surfaces polished to a dull shine by the scrapes of platters, buffs of elbows, and swipes of serving girls' rags. A double-sided fireplace stood center, the huge stone chimney dividing the room into roughly equal spaces. It smelled of hickory smoke. Mid-morning, a few late risers, several local men bent over tea with papers spread before them, merchants, most likely. The trapper went to the barman, a slender fellow called Chicky, bald with a huge mustache covering his lips. He was bent over a ledger, poking at it with his stylus and muttering figures under his breath. The trapper knew not to interrupt a man in the middle of his ciphering. He took a stool and shed his cloak. The common room was hot. The trapper had been told what to do, what to say. He was glad of that. He had never been much of a talker. When Chicky reached his total, he scribbled it on the page and sighed heavily. Setting aside his stylus, he capped his ink bottle and gave the trapper a look. If it isn't Trezor beer, you'll have to wait. I've got a pot on for tea. Tea would be a blessing, the trapper said. He wanted to continue, get this over with. But though he was none too skilled at gauging a man's mind by his face, he knew he should wait to make his inquiry. Otherwise he would appear too eager, too desperate. A good trap was subtle, invisible to its quarry. He drank two cups of tea. Hard black, the barman called it, waggling his mustache in amusement to discover the trapper had not heard of it. He declared it as strange as not having heard of her enlightened majesty. Where are you from, sir? Chicky asked, returning to his ledger. North, Flissen, a vast region of the Raktus, with dozens of small villages nestled in valleys and alongside mountain lakes. Locked? Chicky asked. It was Flissen's one true city, but Locked wasn't as large as Starside. Near enough, my business takes me all over. My first visit to Starside. Business, the barman said speculatively. A gleam in his eye spoke of the growing interest the man had in his customer. What sort? Furs, mostly. Perhaps you might help me. I'm looking for a man named Tarek Pitoro, said to be a caravaner. The trapper had been advised that Pitoro owned a significant interest in the Yin Inn. Aye. I can help you. The gleam was still there, but hardened into expectation. The trapper understood bartering. He had traded furs for necessities for years. In this case, he did not have a fur or anything else of value from the mountains. Instead, he had a sack of coin. He opened it now. The barman cleared his throat. <clears throat> the tea is a copper plug. The trapper had been told what to do. He plucked a coin from his purse and set it on the bar. It made a hard, heavy click, and then it rasped as he slid it over the lovingly sanded and polished surface. A silver skillet. Chicky eyed it and said nothing. His mustache drooped a little at the sides. The trapper added another, then cinched his purse tight and returned it to his belt. The coins disappeared in a quick swipe of the barman's hand. I'll introduce you to him, 
He comes in here every evening. Return after six bells. It was ten bells morning. A long wait. But Trapper's knew patience. He liked this establishment better than the one where he had taken a room. Any rooms? I'm at the Cherry Bottom presently. The barman made a face. Might as well be sleeping at Cheapskate. Go collect your things. I can put you up. A gold skillet per night. The trapper did not use coin often, but he knew that was a ridiculous rate. He didn't argue. He wanted this fellow pleased and willing. I am carrying all I brought to Starside. No pelts? I know Tarek Patoro. He will not strike a deal with you if he cannot see samples of your goods. This caught the trapper off guard for a moment. He ran through the things he had been told to say, and then arose some things stuck into his mind without his knowledge. A response came to his tongue. My samples are stored elsewhere. Would you trust valuables to chambermaids in the Cherry Bottom Inn? The answer struck true. The man chuckled and shook his head. That I would not, sir. That I would not. What name should I give Petoro? Tim. Tim Hamlicton. Tim! Welcome to the Yin Inn. I'll have Weiss open a room and lay a fire. Weiss! Weissy! A beanpole of a girl entered, wiping red hands on her apron. She was twenty, Tim thought. She blew a stray hair from her face. Pale blue eyes, prominent and earnest. She gave Tim a good looking over. Once she determined he met her minimum standards, she told him to follow. Are you Chicky's wife? he asked as they climbed a sturdy old stair. Daughter. Your sisters and brothers work here too? I am an only. So this was the girl. The old man had not known the girl's appearance, for he was blind. He hadn't known her name either, just that she was a maid at the Yin Inn and the proprietor's daughter. There was something special about her. What it was, Tim didn't know. She opened the door to a tidy, spacious room. Bed, table, whale oil lantern, a box of complimentary flash tapers. A few books were stacked on a shelf next to a small portrait of a dark-haired woman. Presumably her enlightened majesty, based on the raven perched on her shoulder. Weiss set about preparing a fire in the tiny hearth. He watched her, wondering how the old man had known about her. He supposed he'd kept his eyeless sockets on all sorts of people, considering how he liked to use folk. Perhaps Weiss had been kept in mind for some unknowable future contingency, like this one. The fire started, Weiss straightened, and again wiped her hands on her apron. Will you require anything else? He spoke the word he'd been taught. A friend. The pressure at the back of his skull crushed forward, squeezing around his brain like a casing of ice. His vision retreated until Weiss was just a tiny figure far away. Then he took command and spoke through Tim's mouth. Weiss, daughter of Chicky, I have been watching you. The voice was Tim's, but stronger, bolder, and full of arrogance. It was the old man's manner of speaking. What? the girl said. 
What do you mean? He strode forward, boots thunking the floorboards. I have felt your spark. Do not deny it. Weiss stuttered a string of objections. What was this all about? How dare he approach her so brazenly? Tim no longer controlled his own body. But still he snatched her elbow to keep her from fleeing. Then his palm pressed to her forehead, and it was his power, one that had lain dormant inside him his entire life, that thrust into the young woman's mind. How it scalded him. A glowing firebrand to the mind. There was no retreating from it or letting go. He would have screamed had he had any control over his voice. Weiss gasped and went limp. Tim caught her before she fell. He helped her to the bed, sat her down. Slowly she caught her breath, and her focus returned to where she was. It's beautiful. It is the Marcusine, child. Your spark is faint. Perhaps it might never have awakened without my help. But it will suffice. Now go to the Baths of Ori and join their order. He placed his hands on her temples and forced the remainder of his commands directly into her mind, deep, where they would not be known even to her until the time was right. A high, keening cry came from her lips and then went silent as her eyes rolled up and she flopped back onto the bed. The trapper's vision blurred and suddenly he was back in command, breathless and terrified. The old man had used his body, had spoken through his lips, but beyond the command to join the way of Ori, Tim had no idea what else Weiss had been instructed to do. And he was glad of it. Blinking tears of pain from his own eyes, he helped the girl up and told her she had grown woozy following lighting the fire. She shirked off his hands and stumbled to the door. It's a bit warm in here she muttered to herself. And then she was gone. Tim had hours and hours to while away before his meeting with Petoro. He lunged onto the bed and gripped his skull. The fire of power had faded, but he felt scorched and blistered. Marcus had flowed through him. Impossible. Unwanted. Excruciating. His only solace would be sleep. If only he could escape the agony long enough to sleep. Weeping, he covered his face and suffered. After he'd done with Pitoro, he'd be free. That was all the hope he had left.